This is Rumble Strip, America Heilman. Are you worried about food? Oh, yeah, I'm worried about food. I went in the store last week or the week before to get some hamburg, and it was the price was skyrocketed. I couldn't believe what price it was, so now it's like I'm not going to be able to go and buy just hamburg. Hamburg, I've always depended on hamburg. Now, I can't. Has your financial life changed at all since the beginning of this thing? Um, my husband, we both get our Social Security. And so do you, are you making enough with Social Security to get by? Uh, in the winter, we just barely get by. Sometimes our kids help us with food. In the summertime, we do okay because he cuts. He's 72 years old, but he cuts trees down and he sells housewood during the summer. And then he does sugaring. And so in the summertime, we have, we're okay. But in the wintertime, it's just Social Security. So we're tight again. The expenses are always over the any money that we make. Last month, a friend of mine sent me pictures of miles and miles of cars lined up waiting for food that was being distributed by the National Guard here in Vermont. 1,900 cars. I'd never seen anything like it. It took me a minute to even believe it. And when I told a friend about it, a perfectly smart and thoughtful friend, he said, well, they probably don't really need it. I mean, those are pretty nice cars. I don't think he's alone in this reaction. In fact, I think a lot of us make assumptions about people asking for food assistance, assumptions we're not even conscious of. We don't have a lot of imagination when it comes to all the ways there are to suddenly not have enough money for food. But it turns out there are a lot of ways to be food insecure, and they're all invisible, and they're growing all the time. And now 20% of Vermonters are unemployed. I went and talked with some people working on the front lines of hunger here in Vermont about this big federal food distribution program that's all over the news here and all over the country. And we talked about the chronic problem of stigmatizing people who don't have enough to eat. Here's Robert Ostermeyer, director of Franklin Grand Isle Community Action at the Champlain Valley Office of Economic Opportunity. I saw the pictures online of the food pickup in where the food bank actually is in Vermont, uh, that 1,900 cars. That shocked me. Why was I so surprised? Because you don't know the neighborhood you live in. Food insecurity in Vermont, indeed poverty in Vermont, is not deep, but it's widespread. When you're living paycheck to paycheck, which is the condition of many, many, many people in Vermont, and you have an unexpected expense. You have a $600 truck repair. You can't not get the truck repaired. Uh, you depend on it for work. And you probably have a job where they're not going to pay you for downtime. You have to spend that $600. And it's February. And you've got to get a propane into the tank. And you've got to uh, get the kid had a medical expense, dental expense. Who knows? You, you have fixed expenses. You have to pay those. And then you have this $600 repair for the truck. Well, where does it come from? It comes from the food budget, because the food budget is like an expansion link in a low-income family's monthly budget planning. When times are good, you can fill that and expand that link, and you've got a lot of food. When times are bad, you begin to shrink back on that. When you see that number of cars lining up for the National Guard food distribution, you're looking at the number of people who are one paycheck away from economic collapse. 
What they need today is one less trip to the grocery store so they have that money in the bank for rent or rearage because maybe they got laid off. And yeah, the, uh, the, you know, the sweetener to the unemployment benefit is nice, but that's going to run out in another month. And it looks from the political weather in Washington that uh, the Republicans are not going to renew it, not going to permit it to go through the Senate. So they know what it's like to take a hit. and They know how crazy it can be. And, and, it's, and it's a thin line between things are fine and oh my God. This is Nicole Whalen, Director of Communications at the Vermont Food Bank. Since the event in Berlin that was the kickoff to the Farmers to Families Food Box program, the phones have been ringing off the hook. Our inboxes have been full. And it is it is filled with people who are trying to make sense of what is happening right now. And it's a combination of people who are just trying to figure out how to get food, trying to figure out how to navigate a brand new system, because many of the people who are reaching out are folks who have never struggled with hunger before. They're confused, trying to figure out how to how to do this. And they're finding themselves in these huge lines of cars, waiting, wondering, is there going to be enough food for them when they get to the end? That is not our preferred way to get food to people who need it. This is Faye Longo, the Three Squares Outreach Coordinator at the Vermont Food Bank. I heard from two people in, in particular who went to one of those events, and I think it was the first one where we were doing the MREs and the Farmers to Families. They waited in line for two hours, and the line didn't move at all, so they finally just left. So they weren't even able to get assistance. And some people might say, like, well, they must not have needed it bad enough. Or maybe there was an elderly individual in the car that, like, couldn't actually sit there for, like, four more hours because they needed a restroom, which was what actually happened. That comes at great cost, especially to people who have not experienced hunger before. If we can, at the very beginning, when we first assist someone or first touch them, if we can make that a positive, dignified experience, then that opens the door for future assistance and just making sure that like people have what they need to get back to their lives. What is it called again? What's this program, the federal program called? Uh, It's called CFAP, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Um, You'll also hear it called the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. So when was it born and how did it get here? Um, This program was conceived by the USDA in mid to late April, and it came together very quickly without the input of anti-hunger advocates or people who have experience doing mass feeding like this is requiring. And essentially, they issued a RFP for distributors throughout the country to bid on the opportunity to purchase, pack, and deliver food, uh, produce, dairy, and meat for people in need. And in Vermont, when we saw this happening, we came together as a state and as a community and said, we have to find a way for Vermont to be able to bid on this. But it requires a distributor who has that level of capacity to order huge quantities of food and pack them. These are challenging things for, for many distributors, ordering the food, amassing all of these boxes, packing all of the boxes, and then getting that food to people who need it. Um, And the contract essentially goes so far as to provide funding for, in this case, the Abbey Group to purchase the food, pack the food, and bring a truck to the distribution. And then after that, it's, it's up to the nonprofit partner, the community, to figure out how to 
get a thousand shares a day, in our case, to people who need it. And here in Vermont, we found a way to come together, thanks to the state and the National Guard for coming in to to run the actual distributions. That's the only way this was able to happen. The food bank could not possibly do this on our own. But with the support of 50 to 60 Guard members coming out and managing the traffic flow, loading boxes into people's cars, we've been able to make this happen. And we are unique in that. Throughout the country, there are not too many other places where it is working as well as it is here. Another actually important reason that the USDA prioritized this program is that they came at this from a place of wanting to help the business and farming communities. And so this is essentially a bailout for for those industries. It's product that needs to be purchased from farmers. It's giving money to businesses to do it. And so the solution really centered on those two groups as being the ones who who are actually designed to receive assistance through this program. It really has left people who are actually struggling with hunger as an afterthought. Um, a couple of years ago, the USDA talked about the idea of a harvest box, and they were suggesting that a program pr- that created boxes of packed food packed by local distributors and distributed by food banks could be a solution instead of SNAP. The entire anti-hunger advocacy community was up in arms against it, rightfully so. That is not a better solution than SNAP. SNAP is a proven, efficient, effective program. SNAP allows you to go to your grocery store and buy food. Correct. Um, Frankly, we all assumed that the USDA's suggestion of that was even just kind of a political stunt that wasn't going to go anywhere. And it did go away for quite some time. Until now, we're seeing this program. They're not calling it the Harvest Box, but the Farmers to Families Food Box program certainly has similarities to that. And my fear is that they're going to say, look, the Harvest Box program, here it is. It's working. Look at what's happening in Vermont. Now, we can cut funding to SNAP and we can do this instead, um, which is absolutely not the answer. So you're saying that, you're, you know, obviously we're, we're glad that we're getting the food, but the way, the spectacle that is this program, it didn't need to be like this. Exactly. There are so many better ways to do this. And if the USDA had engaged the anti-hunger community and worked alongside experts who know what it means to feed people struggling with hunger, we could have created a program that was more efficient, didn't have the logistical challenges of what's happening right now, and that provided a much more dignified experience for people people in need. And frankly, that program is the SNAP program. The SNAP program, uh, sometimes referred to as food stamps, is called Three Squares Vermont here. That program exists. We don't need to come up with a new program. We need to fund and resource the one that exists and expand it so that it can meet the increased need. They can go to their local grocery store. It still supports the business community and farmers and producers. And they're able to get food on their own terms, on their own timeline. They don't have to wait in line for five hours. And they can choose food that they want instead of getting a box that's been packed by someone else saying, here's what we think you need. Here's a thought experiment, okay? You stumble upon a crime scene, okay? Most, the average American has seen enough television to know what to touch, what not to touch, how to move through that, who you need to get in contact with. They, they know enough to operate within a crime scene, within the parameters of social norms. And they have images of it in their head. 
You ask a person to imagine a food shelf, and the best that they can come up with is a musty church basement with a folding table and a number 10 can of shredded turkey in oil and a 25-pound block of Velveeta cheese. And you have no idea what it really is. We've created a food shelf that looks like a small market. We have deli items, we have meat, we have canned goods, we have dry goods, we have fresh produce, we have fresh fruit. We display it as attractively as we possibly can. People come in and shop. They take their time there. They make their selections based on preference and what their nutritional needs are. Now, the fact that we have to do that in parallel to an existing system is insane. Existing system of? The existing system of food distribution, which is our markets. So we've set up a parallel system. Trucks pull out of Feeding America, which is the corporation, that nonprofit corporation that collects food from the larger food dis distributors. Trucks to local food banks, ours is in Barry. Just as food leaves those warehouses from those national companies and goes to Hannaford's and Shaw's. Same system, same trucks. But our system, which runs parallel to their system, is targeted to a certain segment of the population. You got a mom with two kids, and she's uh, working uh, part-time because she's got kids. She's on food stamps. She gets food stamps, which in Vermont are called Three Squares Vermont. So she goes shopping. She goes over to Hannaford's, and she's um, matching some of her food stamps with some cash that she has from her income. And incidentally, most, almost well, better than three-quarters of the people who use our food shelf have household income. They're working families. Uh, so she's shopping, right? And, and um, it's off-season, maybe it's winter, and she goes into the produce section, and there's some beautiful peppers. But they're pricey. It's out of season, so she passes them by. Finishes her shopping, checks out, uses some of the food stamps, keeps some of them because she wants to be sure she's going to make it to the end of the month. That night, the evening crew at Hannaford's goes through the produce section, and they call out any of the food that may be a little bit old. And sometimes it's not even old. It's simply that they got another shipment of peppers that morning, and they've got to get, make room for the newer ones. They crate them up. They bring them out to the back of the rear of the store where nobody ever goes uh, and leaves them on the loading bay. In the morning, our, our staff would pick up the peppers, bring them back, spend the morning culling through them again, cleaning them, sorting them, weighing them, or doing all the things we need to do. We set the pepper up on display on a counter, on our produce counter, hopefully looking as nice and neat as the one that was in Hannaford's. She shows up again, and now she can have the pepper. Why can't she get the pepper at Hannaford's? If she had more food stamps, she could. And that would mean that on a national level, we'd have to increase the food stamp application uh, for the nation. And there are political reasons why that can't happen. And you can certainly look to American political system and our, the, the philosophies that govern the two parties and come to your own answer why that is. The other reason is, uh, I would say it was a moral question. Certain people have to, can't be treated uh, uh, equally uh, within the same kind of social boundaries as other people for reasons that, we, that are judgmental. And I think a lot of the parallel food system exists because there's one, the recognition we can't have people going hungry. But the other recognition is that we have a fairly fair system. And if you can't cut it in this fair system, we're not going to bend the system any more than we've already bent it for you. So how do you reconcile? How do you reconcile 
somebody driving a BMW who's in a food line. What is that story? That question of what is the story is the most important question, and that's the question that people aren't asking. The pandemic has put so many people who have never been in a position where they were struggling before now suddenly into a place where they are. And so these are folks who, from the outside appearance, would seem like they don't need help because they haven't needed help before. And they were able to afford that car or that suit or whatever it is that goes into how we size up a person and their level of need. Um, But everything has transformed drastically in the last couple months. I don't want to see... I don't want to see 1,900 cars. Nobody wants to see 1,900 cars on a food line. That that even happened is, should be shocking to everybody. Think about this. You see, you've seen these aerial shots, these drone shots, not just here, but all over the nation. Is your first response to blame those people? What kind of a person does that? What kind of person says they shouldn't be there? How embedded are you in protecting your own illusions? to begin to blame these people for being online, instead of taking a step back and saying, my God, I had no idea. The virus, I think, has really, really been a very leveling experience, very eye-opening experience, very hard to hide things. Who is somebody, I think it may have been an economist. I was talking, it may have been Keynes, who said, when the tide goes out, you see who's wearing a bathing suit. The tide is going out, and now we can see where the fissures are, we can see who's gaming the system, we see who has getting ill-gotten goods, and we see who's suffering by not getting enough. And, and we've also seen systems that struggle, even with the best of intentions, to follow through on those intentions. So it's a very prime time. I think the virus is allowing us the possibility of a vision of our society that's truer than anyone we've had before. And whether as a result of that vision we recoil and get embedded back in our myths, or whether we step forward and really begin to live a different life and create a different life that's based on the new realities we see. That's what I'm hoping. What? Where are you coming from? What town? Uh, West Charleston. And this is the first time you've been to? Yeah, any other thing. You know, it's, I've never come to any because I always thought there was worse people out there. And now it's like we're all in this. I've cut down to one meal a day. You have to make a stretch. What are you eating? Uh, well, I make it a good one. <laughs> I have a really good one. Chicken, potatoes, broccoli, whatever. <laughs> I make it a good one. <laughs> in this show, you heard from Robert Ostermeyer, Nicole Whalen, and Faye Longo. The people I interviewed in their cars waiting for food preferred not to be named. Music for this show is by Brian Clark of Callis, Vermont. None of us knows what the next chapter of this pandemic is or what the economic fallout will be. But if you need some extra food, it's easy in Vermont. I'll put some links to a site where you can search for your local food pantry. And if you have a little extra food or money, it's a good time to start making regular donations to your food bank or your local food pantry. I'll also add a link to help you find your local food bank. I'll be back soon with more shows. This is Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening.